there are a lot of different reactions when you see a video like that. And those reactions can go from the scale of I, I believe it to I don't believe it, right? I believe miracles happen today, I've seen them. All the way down to, well, miracles happen, but well, they don't happen around me. They don't happen here in the United States. They happen over in foreign countries because they need them over there. Because they don't, they don't have medicine, they don't have technology, <clears throat> they don't have what we have here in the States. Then there's, well, I don't believe that miracles would ever happen around me. Maybe they're real. Maybe those kind of testimonies that we just heard are true. But I... I I just don't think so because I've never seen it. And all the way down to, I don't believe it. I don't believe that's even possible today. I don't believe that God works in that way today because we have the Word of God, we have technology, we have all these things that He's given us, and He gave us that in place of miracles. So there, there's a wide gambit of reactions to a video like that. And for those of you online that didn't get to hear the video, it was a testimony of a healing. Where do we sit? Where do you sit individually in your reaction to that video? Where do we sit as a church in reaction to that video? We're here in the States. We're here in a comfortable surrounding. You know, we're within 15 minutes to some of the greatest hospitals, some of the greatest doctors. We have capability of making money. I've been to other countries where they make nothing. I just came back from Ghana where literally the fishermen there, the, the fishing village that I spent two days in, they live on about $2 a month. A month. That's crazy. But see, we here, we have access to everything. Maybe not everything we want because we'll sit back and say, I don't have these things that I want. I don't have these things that I'm working toward. But we still have access. So when we live in a place like this, we tend to get a mind frame that God doesn't work miracles. Why? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your scripture, Father, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to speak through me your words, not mine. Open the hearts of these people, Lord, to receive with readiness of mind, as it says in Acts 17.11, and go prove, according to your word, that which is right. But God, this movement that you have started here in Ignition, we pray your power to rest 
this morning on these words. Your very power that you intend for us to understand. And to yes, even harness. God, I pray that you bless this morning's word because there are people sitting here right now that need it so desperately. That need to know you are a God that works miracles. Open up our eyes. Open up our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. And just think about where you're at on that scale. From I fully believe it to I don't believe any of it. And let's see what the word has to say about that. Because what we're talking today about is not miracles. Okay, that, that's, that's an example that we're using. But what we're talking today about is sinking your heart with the heart of the Father. See, when Jesus Christ came here to the earth and spent 33 years on this earth, three years of that in public ministry, he spent every moment of his time sinking his heart with the Father's heart. His literal heartbeat with the Father's heartbeat. And see, we're supposed to do the same thing. We're going to read here in a few minutes. We don't just rely on the fact that Jesus Christ did that to the Father because Jesus and the Father operate together. They became one. And we'll see in a moment that as we become, when we get saved and as we grow in Him, we become one with the two of them through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's important for our heartbeats to grow in synchronization with His. And there's something amazing that happens when we do that. Again, John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 12 to 14 to begin with. Let's see what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. First of all, what works do you think he's talking about? Do you think it's perhaps his love? His compassion? How much he cared about the people around him? No. Those weren't his works. Works are the after effect of Love, compassion, caring. The works that he did were because of his love. See, don't put the cart before the horse. It wasn't about the works. It was about his love. He came and performed those works out of that love. So the works that he's talking about here are the miracles, the healing. The casting out of, of demonic, the demonic enemy. 
What he's talking about are the works he did in miracles. Verse 13. And this is, I don't know if you've ever, you've probably read this. I don't know if you've really dug into this. But man, let this sit on you for a second. Verse 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now I remember when I used to read that before, I used to read into that that he's talking to the disciples, right? It's easy to think, well... He called the disciples specifically, then they became apostles, and they became these these beginning of the church. They're plowing forward. Of course, he's going to give them this ability to work the same way he did and answer anything that they need. Why? Because he spent three, three years with them. He spent time with them, pouring into them. So, of course, anything they ask of him, he's going to do. But then I realized there's a word in there that made it such a huge difference to me, and that's going back to verse 12. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever, whoever. See, that's you, whoever. That's me, whoever. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, knits their heart with his, can be in a position to do this very same thing. Do you understand the power that's harnessed there? Do you understand what he's promising here? He said, the very works that I do, you will not only do, but you will do more. I don't know about you, that blows my mind. See, because I don't see that. I don't see that in my life. I don't see that in the world and in the circles that I'm in. I don't see somebody being raised from the dead. I don't see a person being healed of being mute their whole life, or deaf their whole life, or blind their whole life. I just don't see it. So does that mean it doesn't exist? Or does that mean I'm missing something? See, because if I go to the Word of God, which is our foundation, it's our source, I come to the stark reality that I'm missing something. That for some reason, God is not doing that in the circles that I run. And see, this is what I battled with for two years, a year and a half, in even understanding how God begins to work. But the moment I began to open myself up, and the moment I began to knit my heart with His, He began to show me that power that He wants to do. You know, He doesn't want to just do it in foreign countries. He wants to do it right here in normal, everyday life. So we look at what he offers here. He doesn't stop there, though. He puts a condition on it. 
like he does with every promise in the Word of God, there are things that we need to understand about the promises that he makes. In this case, he is saying, literally, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He repeats it twice. And there are several other verses, passages in the Word of God where he says the same thing. So he is promising literally the world. But he says there's a condition. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, wow. Fork in the road. Decision time. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Immediately our mind goes to, okay, I can't kill, can't steal, can't covet, can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. Let me go down the list of all these can'ts. Let me do, go down the list of all the things I cannot do. But do you understand, when Jesus came and died on the cross, he told us, that that was different now. He said, you've got to worry about two things. I'm going to simplify this whole thing for you. You've got to worry about two things. He said, you love me with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your entire soul, with all of your strength. You love me. That's number one. And number two, you love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Why did he simplify it so much? Because he said, and we won't turn to it now, but he said, all of those other things, all of the don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, they're wrapped up into those two. See, because... If you love him and you love your neighbor, you're not going to do those things. You're not going to do those things that will hurt him. That will make him sad in your relationship. So he gives us a glimpse here of what it means to follow him. He says, I want your heart. In sync with mine. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. In sync with his. To do that, you've got to be close to him. You can't hear his heart if you don't put your ear up to his chest. You have to be close to him. Let's look at verse 16 to 21. Let's keep going. And I would, let me back up to 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth. Notice the S there. It's capitalized. They're talking about the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus says is, He's saying, I am here to give you an intimacy so close that whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. All I need is for your heartbeat to be in sync with mine. See, because that's what makes his will 
our will. When our very heartbeat beats the same as his, we're going to see things the way he does. We're going to see things the way that they hurt him when we do something apart from him. So he says, I'm going to offer you all these things. You just have to obey. You just have to follow me. If he stopped there, it would be ominous. I don't know about you. It's hard to love people sometimes. How you see me now is not how, you saw, how I would have been seen even ten years ago. And further on back. See, I loved people, but I loved the people I wanted to love. I put up with everybody else. It wasn't that I wasn't a nice guy. I was a nice guy. But there's a difference between being a nice guy and love. See, because love gives sacrificially. I wasn't that. Even just 10 years ago, I, I didn't know what it meant to love people that I didn't love. People that I didn't know. But that's, that's what he's saying here you need to do. He said, follow my commandments. So I'm supposed to love everybody. So that, that was ominous to me. How could I even do that? God, I don't even know how I can love, especially the people I specifically didn't even like. <laughs> How do you love someone you cannot stand? You know, if you're, if you're in the workforce, I, I used to, to be an entrepreneur and I had a few businesses, but, but one, I worked heavily in the, in the business community with, in the banking industry with, uh, with MB&A. And I got to tell you, I met a lot of people I didn't like. Met a lot of people I didn't like in that field. A lot of people that I had to put up with. So, Lord, how in the world... Can I love them when I don't even like them? See, that was a roadblock to me. And what I didn't understand were the next few verses. He said, wait a second, don't worry about it. Don't stress out over what you need to do because I'm going to send somebody to you to help you with that. I have this comforter. In fact, Jesus says earlier, he says, trust me, talking to his disciples, you want me to leave. I know you don't think so, but you want me to leave. Why? Because I'm sending somebody to you. I am sending you the Holy Spirit. Sending you the actual Spirit of Jesus Christ. Who lives in us. And who works with us. And if we allow him to, he teaches us. See, he teaches us how to love. Let's continue reading here. Okay, so 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you're saved here this morning, you know the Holy Spirit. You may not think you do. You may only know the fact from black and white, that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit was sent to dwell in your heart until you received the inheritance. 
You can't even tell him to go. When you've accepted Christ, there's nothing you can do to get him out of your heart. However, he'll be silent. He'll be there just as a stamp of guarantee for you to inherit the kingdom of God when we die. Unless you develop a relationship with him. See, he's there to interact with. He's there to develop a relationship with. He is not only in you, but dwells with you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, Jesus says, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am, the, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Think about that for a second. We know Jesus is in his Father. He was in his Father when he was on earth. What blows me away is that it says we're in him. And because of that, that means we are in the Father. We are held tightly to this unit of the God of this universe. Do you, do you get that? That's huge. Do you understand the power that you have access to? Do you understand the power over sin? Do you understand the power over the enemy on others? Because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father, therefore you are in the Father. That's why your heartbeat needs to be synchronized with Him. Because just because we are in Him doesn't mean we get it. Doesn't mean we understand His will. Because automatically our heartbeats are synced to our own will. Our heartbeats are synced in such a way that we will get what we want. So the only way it can be synced with the Father is to understand what He wants. Verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Think about that word a second. He didn't just say, I will be with you. He said, I will manifest myself to you. In other words, he will reveal himself to you in a real way. Not just through his word. Not just through reading black and white do we go and we understand who God is. But he promised there to manifest himself to us. If we follow him. If we love him. Because that places us in Jesus Christ who is in the Father, which places us in the Father. So he then sends the Holy Spirit to give relationship 
to us. That's huge. That's huge. That's how he manifests himself. If the Holy Spirit is just some thing that you think of is, is I know he's in there and, it, you know, I, I, I kind of feel him and, and, you know, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to heaven one day, but I really got to figure out my bills. I really got to figure out my career. See, because I've got a review coming up or I've got this coming up or that coming up, possible promotion. I need to start concentrating on that because... I know my power is limited, so I better work on it. And Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 don't you get it? You're in me. And I'm in my Father, therefore you're in the Father. Do you understand the very things that Christ got when he was here on earth are accessible to you because the Father's the same. His Father is our Father. That's why the Bible says that we are adopted when we become saved. We are adopted and become joint heirs with Christ. Please don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean we become God like Christ. It's not what it says. We become joint heirs. Heirs in what? Heirs in what we will receive in heaven. Heirs in that relationship. We can have the very relationship with the Father that Jesus Christ had with the Father. Why? Because he promised it. Because he said, we're in him and he is in the Father. So therefore we have access to the Father. But you have to understand that the heartbeat has to be the same. If you obey my commandments, that's all about love. All about understanding how much he loves everyone else. So our hearts must be in sync with him. I don't know about you, but first question that comes to my mind is, how in the world do you do that? How do I sync my heart with the Father's? First of all, he's this ethereal thing that kind of is encompassing everything. He's not really personal, you know, personal to me, right? And, and, and this is our thought process. I, I don't really know him. I can't see him. I, I can relate a little more to Jesus maybe because at one point he was at least a man. You know, at least he walked on this earth. He understands what I'm going through, right? But, it, but to, to, to really wrap my head around the Father, uh, that's a little bit tougher. That's a little harder to understand. So how in the world do I sync my heart with His? So it's not about syncing our heart with Jesus. Okay, understand that. Because Jesus, when He was on earth, He synced His heart with the Father. And that's what made Him in the Father. Right? And that's what makes us in Christ, as we sync ourselves with the Father, with His heart, we do the very things that Jesus Christ did. I want you to turn to Matthew. This will give us a little glimpse as to how we begin to sync our heart with Him. Matthew chapter 16, 
verse 24 to 27. Matthew 16, let's begin at verse 24, says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone... Okay, remember, he's not just talking to his disciples now. He's saying, if anyone would come after me, let him, what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? And what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So back in verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. You know, in the Greek, the word deny is eparnomei. It means to deny utterly. To deny utterly, to abstain, to disown. So, so what's that saying there? If anyone would come after me, let him disown himself and take up his cross. It doesn't say take up Christ's cross. We're to take up our own cross. See, Christ had the burden of a cross that saved people that paid for the sin of the world. Our cross is different than that. Our cross is dedicated to one person. And that's Jesus Christ and what he did for us. So you want to begin to sink your heart with the Father. The first step is you have to deny yourself. You have to set yourself aside. And, and I know, man, I've heard a million, <laughs> heard a million sermons on this thing. Deny yourself. Okay, okay, let me make that list again of what I can't do. That's immediately where our minds go. What I can't do. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Okay, I got this, God. I've got my list. As a matter of fact, we're coming up on January 1st. You know what, God? I'll have a New Year's resolution. That'll give me a few days to just kind of get ready for it. <laughs> I, I get it, man. That, that's how my mind works, too. I get it. You know, it, immediately we think of denying ourselves. We think of this is what we can't do. This is what we can do. And that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, deny yourself. Let me show you something better. Let me show you something that you're not just going to want to do and kind of, you know, it's going to be tough and, and be ungrateful about it. But let me show you that when you do this, you're going to experience this relationship that's going to blow your mind. See, because a relationship with the Father of the universe and His Son through the Holy Spirit, I promise you, it's going to blow your mind. There is nothing normal about it. There is nothing simple about it. It'll blow your mind. The relationship, the possibility is amazing. And we won't turn here, but in James 1.22, he says, But 
You've got to be doers of the word. Not just hearers. You've got to be doers of the word, not hearers only. James 1.22. So see, it can't just be a head knowledge. It can't just be, well, Lord, I, I, I'm reading and I know what to do and I'm going I'm, I'm to know in my brain what I have to do and I'm going to take a great step forward and I'm going to do it. Because that's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, come about January 7th or 8th, you find, wow, I didn't do it. Okay, I'll wait till next year. You know, I, I mean, that's normal. That's typical. And it's because we have this list of do's and don'ts. And what we're missing is the fact that he's not saying, do this, don't do this. He is saying, relationship with me is going to clear all that up. If you seek me in my kingdom where I am, I'm going to clear all that other stuff up for you. All the confusion about your job. All the confusion about how in the world you're going to pay your bills. All the confusion about your friends that, that are turning on you and, and talking bad behind your back. If you just seek me, I'm going to show you how I'll fix all that. See, because it's about relationship with the Father. It's not about a blueprint of how we live our life. See, God produces the blueprint later. God produces the blueprint of what he wants you to do once you've submitted to him. I can tell you in my own life, it took me several years for him to teach me how to love people. <laughs> and actually, it came through probably some of the toughest people. I fell in love with the college age. I fell in love with this group of people that, honestly, they could be tough to love. Right? <laughs> Everybody but one of you thinks so. You know what? They can be tough because... They're going through changes in their life that many times are hard to understand. I know I went through it. But God gave me a heart for these young people. Why? Because I saw what he did in them. See, God loves the college age. And they are so forgotten in this country and in churches. One of the first things I did, and it, it just bugged me so bad, is, is, is I started to do some research here in this area, checking in all the churches. And, you know, what kind of program do you have for college age? You know, do you have a, a pastor dedicated to college age? And almost nobody did. They all had a program. They all had something. Or they connected it to the youth. Or they kind of moved them into, you know, couples or whatever. They kind of absorbed them either before or after. Why? Because college age was transient. You know, they, they might spend the summers 
home, and then they're gone, and you might see them at Christmas. See, it was hard to invest in them because their lives are changing. Their lives are going through these amazing changes. You know, you've got college, you've got marriage, you've got career. All these choices that affect the entire life. But yet the father's looking at him, and, and, and I said, Lord, help me to see him as you see him. And he's looking at them and he's saying, those are my people that are going to change the world. Those are my people that are going to do amazing things. you got to love them. you got to pour into them. Even the ones you don't like. And you know what happened with me? It got to a point where there wasn't one I didn't like. I fell in love with them. Why? Because the Lord opened my heart. I took one step closer to the Father, listening to His heartbeat, and saying, Lord, I, I want to have my heartbeat the same as yours when I look at these young people. And he said, okay. And he takes his hand, puts it on the side of my head, and just pulled me into his chest. And he said, listen to my heart for the youth. Listen to my heart for the college age. Let me show you how much I love them. And then you'll see. When he did that, I began to understand what loving somebody else really meant. It wasn't about what was convenient for me. It wasn't about what I wanted. As a matter of fact, it had nothing to do with what I wanted. It had nothing to do with my career path. It had nothing to do with what I was doing in my life. All of a sudden, it had everything to do with how much God loved them. It wasn't even about their career path. It wasn't even about what they were going through. It became about one thing. When my heartbeat became the same as the Father's for the college age, I wanted the same for them. I wanted their heartbeat to be the same as the Father's. Why? Because then they will change the world. They will change the world. Well, you know what? God expanded it from there for me. Because when he taught me that for that age group, it became easy to apply that to everybody. To apply it to, from, from little children all the way up. It applies to everybody. See, what God can do in a soul doesn't matter their age doesn't matter their status in life, doesn't matter what they've done, doesn't matter how qualified they are, doesn't matter what their future looks like. If he could get a synchronized heartbeat with a person, they could change the world. See, look at the story of David. David was 15 years old when he slew Goliath. Do you think that was the first time that he trusted God? <laughs> no. What did he do? He was a shepherd. 
He spent all his time with sheep. Now, I don't know, maybe he asked, hey God, teach me how to love the sheep. But you know what? He developed a love. Because when he stood before Goliath, and Goliath was saying how he was going to destroy Israel, and they're just a bunch of punks, he said, I won't stand for that. Goliath may be twice my height, because I think David was a shorter guy. But I don't care, because I will not stand for that. Why? Because I love my God, and I love my fellow people. I will not stand for that. See, David's heartbeat was in synchronicity with the Father. So what happened? David went out and took care of business. And he didn't even take a whole bunch of stones thinking, well, just in case there's a little bit of a war. Now, he knew it wouldn't be. Why? Because his heartbeat was in synchronicity with the Father. They were together and the father told him, look, just go kill him. All you need is five stones in case his brothers show up. You're only going to need one for Goliath. It's going to sink so far into his forehead, he's just going to fall like a lump. Just trust me in that, David. And he did. There was no fear. There was courage because of love. He loved those people. Why don't you turn to Colossians chapter 3. So we have to deny ourselves. That's the first step. Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Now I want to go through Colossians. We're going to, I want to encourage you to write these passages down and go back later today. And maybe throughout the week. Just spend time in these and, and absorb what we're saying. Maybe listen to this again online. But let's, let's begin at verse 1, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. That's the next point. We have to first deny ourselves. Then the next thing is, lift your head. Start looking up. Set your sights on Jesus Christ and where he is. Put your mind on things that he is about. Not on things on the earth. Don't encompass your mind and, and, and just... Junk up your mind with all the things that you have to worry about. Some of us are worriers. Some of us like to worry about things because we just like to worry. You know, I'm going to worry about my tests coming up on Friday. I'm going to worry about the bill that's due that I'm already three months behind on. I'm going to worry about this car that... <laughs> It's making a noise, and I'm not sure how much longer it's going to make it. Now, I'm going to worry about all these things. I'm going to worry about how I look. I'm going to worry about what other people think of me. I'm going to worry about all these things. Why? Because it occupies my time, and I can. 
I can worry about those things, and, and as much as I hate it, I'm not sure what I'd do without it. So I'm going to worry about these things because I have somewhere deep in my mind the thought process that somehow, through that worry, I can make a difference. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you get how ridiculous that is? And yet, all of us do it. We worry, and we think about all these things that can happen, instead of what? Instead of what this says in, first, in Colossians 3. Set our mind on things above. Now, that doesn't mean your head's in the clouds and you're just, oh, I'm with Jesus now. I don't have to think about anything. That's not what it means. It means to think about things where Jesus is. Think about things, the character that Jesus has. Think about when Jesus thinks of something, what would he say? What would he say about the friends that are talking behind my back. You know, what would Jesus say about the fact that this car is about to die and I don't know what to do about it because I certainly can't afford to fix it? What would he say? And I'm not here to answer that for you. I'm just here to tell you that when you put your mind where he is, he gives you the answer. He will tell you what you need to know. And he does it through his Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit who will manifest himself. He will manifest himself. <laughs> that means he becomes real. He is a real person that we can talk to, that we can converse with, that we can, yes, hear from. I'm here to tell you, if you have never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit talk to you, and you don't know what that is, and you don't believe that he does, I can tell you that he wants to speak to you. See, because I used to be where you are. I used to think that he doesn't speak. He doesn't talk to me. He'll talk to me through his word and whatever I can pull off the black and white. But to have a conversation with him, well, that's going to happen when I get to heaven. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to start worrying about my own things. When you don't have an interactive relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, you have no other choice but to worry about your own things. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. I want to take control of this, and I want to worry about it myself. I want to control this path, because I know how to get from A to B. And God's saying, I sent this comforter, if you would just open up your heart, sync it with mine, all of a sudden he's going to actually manifest himself to you. When I understood that for the first time, it blew me away. <laughs> it changed my whole relationship with the Father. It changed everything for me. 
He wants to change everything for you. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. See, they have a choice. It doesn't say here that you are saved and you've accepted me into your heart, so I'll take all these things away for you now. Don't confuse the righteousness placed on us from Jesus Christ with the right to continue sin. Don't confuse that. Because we're bought with a price, first of all, we have no right to continue in sin. And, and what I'm talking about is not all the big sins, but I'm talking about the worry. I'm talking about the choice that I'm going to get myself from A to B and not let God do it. See, he's saying, put all that away. Anger, wrath, I'm in verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. Obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Oops. That's a tough one, because that's really easy. See that you have put off the old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, when you hear something new out of the word of God, you then become responsible for it. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry, but this morning you are becoming responsible for what you are hearing from my mouth. Not only are you responsible to prove it out. But when proved out, you are responsible to adhere. You're responsible to understand how much he loves you. You're responsible to seek him and your heart to be synced with his. Because we're made in the image of our creator. Verse 11. Here there is no Greek, no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So he's telling you what to take off. Now he's telling you what to put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness. Humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one complains against you, forgiving each other, because God forgave us. Above all things, verse 14, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, 
See, God tells us all the things to take off, and he lists all these specific things. But everything that he said to put on all had to do with love. All had to do with loving him and loving our neighbor as ourselves. See, because God knows if, if he could get us to do that one thing, everything else would fall into place. See, God, God knew in my life, when I reached out to him for the young people, he knew if I could get them, or if he could get me to love them, and to fall in love with them, everything else would fall into place. You understand, when, when, when you're plowing forward in a specific direction, everything behind you falls into place. Because of the momentum of that one thing. If he could get you to love him and love your neighbor, truly love, all those other things fall in place. I know where my glasses went. In there. Okay, let's, let's keep going. We're going to read up through 17. And let... The peace of Christ rule in your heart. Again, that word let, it's a choice. This is not something that comes automatically. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What that means is, let the word of God take hold in your life. To let that seed take root. To bear fruit, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, we need to put on a new self. We need to put on... And take off the old and put on this new self by keeping our mind and our eyes fixed on where Jesus Christ is. You know, it, it reminds me of one of our mantra verses, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said to seek him in his kingdom. It's saying the same thing here. You want to put on the new self, get your mind where his mind is. Not where your mind is, not where mind is on earth, not in the problems, the day-to-day -day things that we deal with here. Get it on him. Get it in his realm. Why? Because you know what? There's no time in his realm. Here we're limited. Here, we're limited to however many years we have on this earth. He's saying, think on his things. Get your mind where his mind is, because that will last eternity. That will have effects for eternity. When you love him, you will put your mind where his mind is. That's the second step. First, deny yourself. Remember what that said. You know, we, we, we actually 
You know, what, what deny means was to disown, to abstain, to push aside ourself, and then put our mind on Jesus Christ. Then he gives us an idea of what happens when we do this. What does it look like when we renew our mind? And we're going to read verse 18, still in Colossians 3, but verses 18 to 24 say this, Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. I love that he adds that in there, as fitting to the Lord. That does not give carte blanche to the husband. She's got to submit to me no matter what. No, as fitting to the Lord. This is what, what it's going to look like when you have your, your mind with him. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service or people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Wow, what, it, what would it look like if in our workplace we were actually working for the Lord? <laughs> How would that change your attitude at work? How would that change your ad- attitude at school? How would that change your attitude at home? If you knew <clears throat> that Jesus Christ was looking at you right there, what would that do? How would that change? Would it make you work harder? Would it make you work faster? Would it make it to where I'm not just putting in my time, got to get my eight hours in today? Would it give you a purpose? You know, I I recently heard a a message from Todd White on this very thing, and he was giving examples of when he first got saved, what he did in the workplace. He, he, He said it wasn't about what he did, It was about what God wanted to do through him, and it was about him pleasing God. He said, said, you know, I was just standing there waiting for the next customer to come in, and I'm just looking, I I see a broom over in the corner, and I, I just went and I started sweeping. Not because he wanted to raise, not because he wanted to impress anybody. He wanted to impress his father. He wanted to impress the one that had eyes on him All the time. That's who he wanted to please. Why? Because he wanted his heartbeat to be in sync with his father's. And he knew that his father said, whatever I give you to do, do it with your whole might. Do it as unto me. That's what it just said. Anything you're given to do, do it unto me. So that Job that you're given, school that you're given, work, whatever the position you're at in life, do it as unto him. 
not as unto your boss and be people pleaser. You know why? Because maybe your boss doesn't deserve it. Maybe they don't deserve for you to work that hard. You know, maybe the money that you make just isn't worth the effort that they expect you to put in. And here's where Satan gets us. That may be true. That may be true. You know, I work a lot harder than that, whatever, I don't know, $6 an hour. I don't know, what's minimum wage now? <laughs> okay, it's been a while for me. Sorry. You know, maybe I, I, I just, I'm going to give my boss exactly what that 8 bucks an hour is worth and nothing more. And that's all I'm going to give them because that's all they deserve. That's all my boss deserves because, you know, he or she just, they're jerks anyways. They don't understand me. Or maybe I'm just working this temporarily anyways because, you know, I'm just doing this summer job because I go back to school. Wow, how would that change if God were your boss? All of a sudden, money wouldn't be an issue, would it? Why? Because he promised to provide everything. How cool would it be to go to work for a boss that said, I will take care of all your needs. I will give you everything that you need. Just sell out for me. I think every one of us would take a job like that. I think we would all do that. But see, in reality, it's, it's important to understand that's exactly what he says. He says, when you work, do it as you're doing it unto me. You know, I, I, I want to challenge you this Christmas break to, to go and perhaps surprise your boss. Develop a work ethic that you are working for the Lord and see what happens. Whether it be at work, whether it be in your family, even in your family, go back to your family, have an attitude that I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Not my parents, because they don't deserve it. I'm doing this as unto the Lord. See what he does. See, he's going to change lives. God is doing something here. He's doing something in this church. You've heard me saying this for literally the youth have been hearing it for a couple of years. You've been hearing it since we began a year ago. He's doing something in this church. There's a foundation being laid that everyone here has a responsibility to and a purpose for. Will you open your eyes to that? You know, last week we had Rich Brink here, and he brought to, uh, a young man with the gift of prophecy named Shane Leisure. It was so awesome having them here. I got to spend time with them in the afternoon, and it, it was just a great, we had a great time. And, and you know, I, I did share with them things that the Lord had shown me. And, and it's very interesting to see where the Lord will take that, because... I think he's showing them things as well. But I got the opportunity at the end of the afternoon. Shane 
said that prophetically he had something for me, for Alexis, for our church. It, it really is about our church. And, and he'd say he, he wanted to share it with me. So I said, well, hold on one second. I said, let me record this because I know this will be important. See, because Shane doesn't know me. Shane and Rich, they don't know Ignition. They, they, don't, they don't know our calling. They don't know what we're about. They don't know what we've been told that God wants to do. See, from the outside, we're just a church in a living room. In reality, that's what we are. So it was important to me to listen to this prophecy that the Holy Spirit had shared with him to share with me, and I recorded it, and I want to share it with you right now. Go ahead and play it. Awesome. So, um, the first thing I got, I actually got as we were driving on the car in the car this morning, and I said, Lord, do you have anything for this church? And he said, yes, but I won't give you these words yet. And I was like, why won't you give them to me yet? Mm-hmm. He's like, because I want to implant in you the adoration I have for them. Amen. I want, I want you to know the love I have for them before I share any words with you, you know, uh, about their future. And so... Um, I just sat there and I just kind of like just soaked in just the adoration that the Lord has for you, for Alexis, for the church, for the cultivation that you are doing within the spirit, not only in your own personal life, but with the corporate body that's so that you're building a community with. You know, it's not just a group of people that meets. You're actually knitting your hearts together like David and Jonathan did with one another. It's covenant relationships that, you know, go just beyond the normal get-together on Sunday. These are relationships that are tied together and knit together in the spirit, heart to heart. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was the very first thing I got, was just about the love and the adoration of the Lord over the body, over your heart, over you know, Alexis's heart. Just uh, just so, so much love and adoration that he had for you. And so... Um, then during worship, I started, you know, I started uh, asking again, all right, Lord, I'm here, like, you know, I got the love thing done, I think, but, <laughs> like, obviously you have much more than, than I could imagine, you know, and so um, I started asking him for more specific words, and so I saw this picture of an angel, um, and I often, you know, the Lord often gives me pictures of angels and things, but it was this strong angel, huge muscular, like, breastplate of righteousness kind of thing, and huge sword, and and uh, I said, is it a guardian angel? And he's like, sort of. You know, it's an angel represents strength. And, so, and he's actually set the, your body up as a foundation, but as a foundational pillar. You know, it's not just a pillar of decoration. It's actually one of the support beams of Delaware, the state. It's, it's going to be very influential in holding up the whole body, the whole temple of Jesus within the state of Delaware. Um, and I think it actually expands beyond that to the nation. There's like main support pillars and there's like mini support pillars, you know, but you're like a main support pillar for some reason. God has chosen you to be that place of support for the rest of the body of Christ that you have influence with. Um, and then I got, you know, it's funny because I wrote all this stuff down before Rich started talking, and he started talking about, like, your keen perspective that you have. One of the things I wrote down was, like, from Thor, there's Heimdall with, with, the, with the Bifrost. He opens the Bifrost, but he watches all of the realms. 
he has the perspective to see everything that's going on yeah. within all of these realms, the nine realms, you know, that, that yeah, you know, cool Asgard is just one of them, <laughs> you know. And so, and then he opens the Bifrost mm. to, to allow, like, the warriors of Asgard to go and restore balance back to, you know, whatever realm needs to be restored. Yeah. And so God has given you authority and influence to release angelic hosts and release the presence of God um, in such a way that it restores balance and peace back into places of chaos. Wow. Um, and he's giving you the perspective to see that, you know, Amen. and then he gives you the authority to release it and open that gateway, that portal, that, that opening in the king from, like, the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Like, you are the watcher standing there opening that gateway. Just boom. This, this is confirmation because he's shown me that very thing. Yeah. 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 And then um, the other thing that I got um, was the verse in the New Testament where it says, you know, Paul's you know, speaking to the churches, and he says, in him... We live, and we move, and we have our being. And that was, like, the last thing. It was, like, kind of binding it all together, like, in him. And I just, like, pictured that he's the very breath in your lungs, you know, the presence that's in the atmosphere. You breathe him in, and that's your very life substance for which you march forth and do all of these things that he's called you to. But first, it's breathing him in. It's living in him. It's that very heartbeat that matches the Father's, you know, because you lean up next to him. And as you hear his heartbeat, because you're leaning up against his chest, your heartbeat just starts to match that as well. And so, boom, 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 boom. And you start matching the heartbeat of the Father. And then he's, he's sinking your heartbeats right now. And I think he already has synced them to some extent. But he's going to finalize that. And then he's going to launch you. So you're in the final stages of your heartbeat becoming in union and in sync with the Father's heart so you can be the perfect representation of Him upon the earth. That applies to everybody here. That was for Ignition Church. And I don't know if that made sense to you or not. First of all, understand that he was using Thor as a metaphor. (laughs) Okay, which is why I was laughing. But you have to understand that that prophetic announcement, there was nothing new in there. If you've been here for a while, you have heard all that from what the Lord has shown us over and over and over again. There's a huge responsibility in that too. And that responsibility begins with getting our hearts in sync with his. We're going to talk about that more next week, because this will be a two-part series. But I want to encourage you, go back over these passages. See what it takes to begin getting your heart in sync with the Father's. Because he has great expectation of this church. And every one of you is a part of that. Let's pray.